for today's thought, I want to think of the mindset, God ain't biased. We put our lives in your hand. You put that reassurance way down in our soul. Lord, you have it all in control. Amen. 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 My friends, may I first speak to you just as that, my friends. It's important, I believe, before anything is done, shared, or even thought of. We first understand the importance of our being friends. Friendship has no color barriers, understands no age gaps, and cannot distinguish between male or female or any other gender for that matter. Friendship moves beyond our political and individual ideals. And most importantly, most importantly, operates from a heart of our Savior. It moves beyond human understanding and leads us into our divine mission statement, our purpose, why we were created. So today as we connect, I hope we would do so solely in the mind of our Lord. I hope that we will find ourselves just thinking, not as some podcast that we listen to, but as an individual, a part of an even bigger family. And I hope that we can begin by doing something fun. You use the Twitter? If you do, at Eric D. Barrett is where you can find me. I would like for you to tweet me a positive word or line just just do it right now while you're uh, listening to this moment of conscience you know we have those here some people call it an ad I call it a moment of conscience while that's going on go ahead and tweet me at Eric D. Barrett a positive word or line that describes how you're feeling about your life right now they overcame them they got victory because of their testimony would you right now? Awesome sauce. As we begin today, thank you for tweeting me. I, that was awesome sauce of you. I, I look forward to uh, looking through those. But as we move on, I want us to uh, think about hymns. These were hymns that were once ranked regularly the word I'm trying to say. Thank you for the moment of blunder in our churches. And uh, I know that if you were like me and you grew up in the 90s and you went to uh, the churches known as the Frozen Chosen, you uh, hated them because it was just this boring, dry piece of music accompanied by an organ. And it's just it was just whack, if you will. But as I begin to think about it, they're nothing more than pieces of poetry expressing the very soul of its writer. These songs were birthed from a moment of excitement, pain, and a deep desire to see and believe what was ahead. Speaking of seeing today, if you would with us, wherever you are, just meditate for a few moments. On this piece of lyrical poetry that we will hear, written by Clara H. Scott, open my eyes that I may see, which shall be read by Sister Clarice Smith. Huh, Claire, Clarice, pretty awesome sauce, isn't it? Shall we meditate? 
That's even more awesome sauce. This morning's hymn is Open My Eyes That I May See. Good, a good, good hymn to start off our day with, right? Yes. Yeah. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands a wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Open my ears that I may hear voices of truth thou sendest clear. And while the wave notes fall on my ear, everything false shall disappear. Open my mouth and let me bear gladly the warm truth everywhere. Open my heart and let me prepare love with thy children thus to share. And the chorus. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my heart. Illumine me. Spirit divine. When I, when I think about lyrics again, you, you think about two things. Number one, David was a lyricist. Most of his songs were nothing more than poetry, but there were also prayers. And so when I think about prayer, I think about it not as a religious act. For the hypocrites, they love to pray like that, or we know them as you know, big-time preachers who just want to make you shout. You know, they stand in the synagogues and the churches on the street corners so that people will see them. But truthfully, you are not about that life. I know you. You know me, right? We got problems. We really want to help. We're really seeking for answers. And so when we pray, we do so as a community. I believe we're seeking God for the betterment of us all. So with that mind, may we sit here in unison whether you're around the table, I hope maybe you might have found one or two people to join you. That'd be awesome sauce to kind of have this, this coffee table, this living room, this kitchen table type mindset. Whatever it may be, whether you're with someone alone, we can still be in unison. As Mama Staten speaks to our creative vocally. Would you join us right now? Just you and me, me and you, the rest of the world. Come on, let's do it. Most gracious and all wise Father, we come once again to say thank you. We thank you, O oh merciful Father, for another opportunity, O oh God to call upon your holy and righteous name. And God, as we come, we put our trust in you, knowing, God, that all power is in your hand. Knowing, O oh merciful Father, that you love us so much. You care about us, and you understand us. And, O oh God, as I come this morning, I just say thank you. Thank you for this great opportunity, O oh God, to call upon your holy and righteous name. And God, I ask you to look down upon our families today. You know about our families. You know about every situation and every problem. But I lift families up before you right now. And God, I ask you to give us peace, love, and understanding. Let your wisdom and your knowledge be with us. Help us, O oh God, to put you first. Help us to trust you, Lord, knowing that you see and you understand. God, we don't understand something, but God, we put our trust in you this morning. In thee, O oh Lord, we put our trust, and we say thank you this morning. Bless every listening ear. 
God, in the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear your voice. Give us hearts to receive you, Lord. Give us a mind made up to serve you, Lord. Help us this morning, God, to wait patiently on you, knowing that all power is in your hand, knowing that you are going to work out every situation. Nothing gets by you. Your eyes go to and fro, beholding the good as well as the evil. And, God, we know that you're going to fix every situation. And help us to realize that. Help us to praise your name. You say, wait on you and be of good courage, and you shall strengthen our hearts. Help us to wait on you, and as we wait, Help us to praise you. Help us to call upon your holy name. Help us to make love to you, God, because you love us so much. And we thank you for that this morning. Bless again, I said, every listening ear. And as we hear your word today, God, help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers. And help us to tell others about your goodness. Help us to be that shining light in this dark world. Help us, oh God, that we will live so man can see Christ in us, that they will want Christ too. We just thank you for this opportunity this morning. Bless, keep, make your faces shine upon us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. 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 There was a time in the biblical story, or should I say a time in biblical history, I think that's much better. Biblical story kind of sounds like I'm diluting the scriptures, but you're understanding, so you're bearing with me. But that time when God spoke to a member of the true first family, you know the member, it was Cain. The time I speak of is immediately after He, Cain, killed his brother, Abel. God asked him, where is your brother? To which Cain replied, am I my brother's keeper? I don't have time to share the story, even though that's the gist of it. But there's a little more details in there. Maybe one day we'll talk about it. But the point that I want to make here is I believe we have a moral obligation to strengthen and encourage each other, which I believe makes what Brother Dennis will say vitally important. So instead of us sitting here like traditional religious people and reading a scripture that most of us are not going to remember the words, how about we just sit here and listen to what Brother Dennis will say to us. How he will use the scriptures to both strengthen and encourage our hearts. You know, I was uh, this past week going through a lot of different things and when I uh, decided that uh, we need to get back to the beginning uh, and, uh, and and start all over again. Sometimes we need to do that. We need to take a deep breath and decide, uh, okay, I'm, I messed up and I need to start. So I decided to go back into the Old Testament. Uh, it seems like uh, Eric touched on that a little bit with, with Cain and Abel and, and God talking to them. Well, God talked to somebody else in the Old Testament, somebody that was going through a lot of trials and tribulations, and uh, that guy's name was Job. I think we all know Job's story about how uh, God uh, gave him to the devil, Satan, and said, okay, here's Job. Here's a guy that believes in me, and uh, do with him what you want. And Job went through a lot of terrible trials and tribulations, and only to come out, what, victorious in the end. Uh, I think we need to keep that in mind. But Job had to be reminded of, of things as he was going on his journey in his life. And one of the things that God talked to him about, because God talked to him all the time, as he well talks to us, that we need, just need to listen. And in Job 38, 
verses 4 through 7. Okay, it says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who delivered its measurements. Surely you know or who stretched the line upon it. To what were the foundations fastened? Or who had laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the angels of our God shouted for joy. Amen. Yeah, God was Amen. telling Job, where, where were you? Do you know who started this? Who laid the earth? Who, who created the earth? Who decided how big, how small, how great it should be? It was your God that did that. And we have to understand that that's every time we get up and look out and see the sun, we should say what? Thank you, God, for the sun. Thank you, God, for its warmth that it gives us, its light that it provides for us. Thank you, God, that the birds are singing happily. They are, they are fed. They are happy. They get this uh, soar in the sky that you created around the trees that you planted. And we should be that way too. We should thank God that we can get up, we can walk on this earth that he created, that he created us, that we can walk on this every inch, every measurement that he created of it. That we know that he is the one that's in charge. He laid the cornerstone. He started the whole yeah. world, the whole universe, yeah. the whole system that we thrive in. Mm-hmm. And we should thank God on, on, a, on a basis for that. Thank you for what we're, what we do in our lives. That we have, that He provides for us. That He takes care of us. That He gives us the, uh, the just just the strength to face what we have to, and 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 to know that when Satan uh, comes into our view, that uh, we have the right to rebuke Satan. Because why? Because God tells us that we can do that. God tells us that his son died for us, that we can have eternal life. Regardless of what Satan tells us and how he tries to change our views or how he tries to cause us to trip and stumble. Because then he laughs at us because he knows he has that little victory in his mind over God and over Jesus. He figures if he wins us, he'll win. But we know better than that, don't we, people? Don't we, fellow believers in God? We know that Jesus gave us our eternal life through his death on the cross. And that God made the universe. He made the whole world, the whole system. He made every one of us. He made us different and unique. Because why? Because we were made in his image and likeness. We were made to what? walk with him in the garden and to fellowship with him. That's why we were made. Because God was lonely. He needed somebody that he could trust and talk to and to have fellowship with and he tells us we should do that we should have fellowship with each other with you know as believers but also with the non-believers we should let them know that who loves them that god loves them that jesus loves them we should be a shining light in this world that sometimes is pretty dark and pretty gloomy and we don't know what's going to happen and it seems like everything's coming down around us but we have to remember who shouted for joy when the stars were put in the sky. Who shouted for joy when the lights were put in this, uh, around us with the sun and the moon and, and just the waters and just everything that God has created. Everything was different. Everything is just unique in its own way. Just as we are unique in our own way. We each have things that we can offer and things that we can do to what to uh, offer to God and to be a sacrifice to God. The Bible tells us that that's what we should be on a daily basis. We should offer our, our own selves as a living sacrifice. Just as Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for us, we should we should wear the badge of, of Jesus proudly. We should wear the badge that we have the eternal salvation proudly. We should walk with God. We should talk with God. And then we should have fellowship with God in the end. 
no matter where we go in our journey on this earth, we should keep our eyes on who? On Jesus, on the Lord, on, on our God, and on our final, final, final destination, our resting place in the arms of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. 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 I'm aware that this crowd of people, most folks who listen to podcasts are not really into pianist music. You're more into uh, the hip hop, the the heavy metal, you know, that kind of thing, right? And again, as I said earlier, the churches by which uh, we grew up in unless you were in a heavy Pentecostal church, were mostly boring. You know, like I said, they had the piano, that, you know, 200-piece pipe organ. You didn't really think about or really enjoy being in in church. And then you have those folks who I look at it, and I'm, uh, you remember when I spoke about people who pray, because they desire to be seen. A good thing about an environment like this is it weaves out the showboaters. The self-righteous, self-serving. I, I just, <laughs> I'm just going to be real with you. They're, they're not going to last much longer in this quarantine. Because it affects their egos. Affects their wants and desires or their need. Their selfish need to perform. But you listening here, you're you're kind people in many ways than one. But you're also, as I said, troubled people. You're troubled people because you realize that we we have a screwed up world. We do. Every man or woman born of woman, days are few and full of trouble. So earlier I asked you to think about other people. Right now I ask you to just take a time of secret meditation. As Mama Bell plays and pray for yourself. You ready? Awesome sauce. This morning, I would like for us to focus our attention on Acts of the Apostles, 
chapter 10. We're going to read 9 through 11, 13 through 15, and we're going to conclude, which will be somewhat of our thought or where our thought comes from in verse 34. Acts chapter 10, verse 9 through 11, 13 through 15, and 34. It reads, At noon on the following day, as their journey brought them close to the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted to eat. While others were preparing the meal, he had a visionary experience. He saw heaven open and something like a large linen sheet being lowered to the earth by its four corners. A voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter exclaimed, absolutely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke a second time. Never consider unclean what God has made pure. Peter said, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. For today's thought, I want to think of the mindset, God ain't biased. God, I know it's in proper English, but he ain't biased. And now our Lord and Savior, most importantly our Father, I ask that you will allow all of me to present your case today that all your spiritual jurors both listening now and forever will without shadow or doubt see clearly what you are saying to us in Jesus name I ask and all those united in this prayer would say Amen Amen, Amen. Martin Luther, a German professor of theology, composer, priest, whose name inspired the Lutheran Church, is a seminal figure in the Reformation. The Reformation, which was a major movement within Western Christianity in the 16th century Europe, that posed a heretical challenge to the Catholic Church and in particular to the papacy authority arising from what was perceived to be abuses and discrepancies by the Holy Catholic Church. At the center of this conflict was Brother Luther who came to reject several teachings and practices of the Roman Catholic Church. In particular, he disputed the view on indulgence, which according to the Catholic Church is a way to reduce the amount of punishment one has to undergo for sin. And more interesting, what he saw as an abuse of practice of clergy. Luther proposed an academic discussion of the knowns of his, as his 95 theses, his refusal to renounce all of his writings at the demand of Pope Leo X and Holy Roman, excuse me, and the Holy Roman Emperor Charles B, resulted in his excommunication by the Pope and condemnation as an outlaw by the Holy Roman 
emperor. Then we have John Wesley. He was an English cleric, theologian, and evangelist whose revival movement within the Church of England, known as Methodism, caused he and Methodist persecution by clergy and religious magistrates. Wesley openly disregarded many regulations of the Church of England concerning parish boundaries and who had the authority to preach. This was seen as a social threat that disregarded institutions. That's where church fights started. Clergy attacked them in sermons. They ain't never happened before. In print, they ain't never happened either. And at times, mobs attacked them. Wesley and his followers continued to work among the neglected and the needy. They were denounced as proclaimers of strange doctrines, instigators of religious disturbances, blind fanatics who were leading the people astray. Wesley felt the church failed to call sinners to repentance, that many of the clergy were corrupt, and that people were perishing in their sins. John Wesley and Martin Luther. When you take these two theological giants, zoom out the map of biblical coverage, I'm determined, and I believe that I am in agreement with the scriptures here, but since the beginning of time, people have been arguing, dare I say fighting, over who is right and who is wrong. Since the beginning of gatherings back in the days of David, there have been some 37 million churches birthed and currently in existence, with 384,000 located in these states united. Now, to give you context, if everyone in the world more specifically, if all 330 million of us went to church every Sunday, that would be an average of 859 people per church. 37 million, 384,000 at our location. How many know there's enough room for everybody to get saved? 37 million, 384,000 churches, some born out of egos, born out of personal feelings, most importantly, churches born out of preference, more than purpose. I recall reading the history of a particular church. I'm not going to name it because it's not fair. But at the top, of the historical structure the history of the church it didn't talk about that they were trying to save souls no that wasn't it it didn't talk about that they were creating an environment for people to come who were battered and needy no that wasn't it at the top of the church's history and if you meet me in the proverbial parking lot I'll tell you what that church is and show it to you in print the church was founded because of a split from an original church caused by the preacher not choosing the right woman. Egos, personal feelings, preference, more so than purpose. It's amazing to me how even in 2020, our society is still struggling still lacking a true understanding of what church is supposed to be. 
if you'd allow me a moment of personal privilege, or if I may deem you all proverbial Catholic priests, I'm going to priestanize you right quick, just so I can make this my moment of confession. Or we can just sit here and talk. I think I like that idea much better. I have been in church literally all my life. I've been a part of the ministerial structure. I've just been sitting in the pew. I've been in the back office. I've been in there where the pipes have been smoked. In the, in the back room, on the back room, or the other back room. You know, there's layers to the back room. There are not too many denominations I don't know, nor too many who don't know me. I remember during my collegiate years, I was doing some work over at the First Baptist Church of Norfolk. I met a preacher over there named Sandy. And he said some words to me that I'd I'd never forget. He said, brother, you are proficient in church. You can run a church with your eyes closed. But what you can't do is effectively operate a ministry. Now, my friends, I think it's safe to say that I felt some type of way about that. I was in my mid-twenties, fresh to myself. My puberty line had just ended. Who are you going to tell me? I don't know how to run no church. Been here all my life. I know how to run a missionary service on the third Sunday with the women wearing the white fruit basket on top of their head and march around the aisle with $100 in the hand. I know how to do that. Usher did it on the fourth Sunday. Choir did it on the fifth. I know how to do that. I know how to put on the robe according to the Sunday. It was first Sunday using gray and red. Second Sunday using red and white. Third Sunday using white and purple. Fourth Sunday using orange. And if you had a fifth Sunday using black. I've seen Dr. Murray do it for 20 years. I know how to do it. What do you mean I don't know how to run ministry? But I dare not say it because, you know, I don't really argue with people. Don't really. But this time, the man seeing my confusion, he said, brother, I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit you. He looked at me. He said, not too many people I know just like this can sit in a toilet and see a cathedral but again you got to learn ministry he told me he said I'm going to connect you with a few people who I promise you once you see the world of opportunity outside these walls that's when we were started to talk about going outside the walls that didn't happen before the mid to late 2000. Most everything was in church then. Around about 2005, 6, 7, somewhere in there, we started branching out and doing other things. The church started to move beyond its building. I remember it was radical over there at the First Baptist Butte Street. Dennis Coretti can agree with this. I was there when Dr. Eric Thomas almost got hung from the steeple because he canceled church on Sunday morning talking about we going out into the community to do some things. What do you mean you canceling our service to go out into the community? We come to church on Sunday morning. We don't go out and cut no grown people, no seniors grass and go and take food to people on Sunday morning. That's not what we do. We come to church. And I remember sitting with that preacher his name was Craig Clayton and Sandy introduced me to Craig and we were sitting in the uh, little area there where they served food they had the, the family dinner and he said brother Eric I promise you when Craig gets done with you you'll never just crave a pulpit again so he took me, Craig Clayton did, went out and 
saw local Habitat for Humanity projects. That's where Dennis and I went to prison, and we don't have to talk about that. We've heard that at nauseam around these parts. He took me to the nursing home, but he realized that I was kind of a proficient in that because that's, that's one of the things that Grandmama did that I actually paid attention to back in the day. We used to go to the Valentine one. He used to sit up there. You know where that is. But I began to see ministry, the work of it, from a whole new light. As I said, missionaries were missionaries. But until that point, I had just seen them as a bunch of ladies, as I said, strutting around in white, throwing $100 at the table on the Sunday with a seat basket on the head. Ushers and servants were servants. Instead of mean old ladies that did the same thing on four Sundays. I saw a different perspective than I had seen before. So as I get back to my conversation here, as I mentioned, 37 million people, 37 million churches, should I say, with 384,000 located here. Now, that means, as I said, there's enough room for everybody. 859 people can sit in each church comfortably if everybody was going. But according to the Pew Research Center, it's believed that some 37 to 39% of all Americans attend church on a weekly basis. 37 million churches, 384,000, and only 37% of the populace is down at the church. And that's a slight book. Now, because of the COVID, the virtual experience, but the same community, the Pew Research Center, PRC, if I could just say it for short, presents this case, that 76%, 37,384,000, but 76% either in that community that go maybe, but certainly do not attend church because of one of the five reasons. Number one, they haven't found a house of worship they like. Number two, they don't feel welcome. Number three, they don't have time. Number four, they don't like the sermons. And my favorite, Number five, which is number one, poor health or mobility. More than half the people who believe don't attend religious services regularly are women. Many say they haven't found a house of worship. I said that, so they practice their faith in other ways. This, what we do here on Sunday morning, would be considered another way. But many of these women, as I said, fail to find houses of worship they like more than six in ten said because of poor health. It's difficult for them to get around. More than half, 54% said because they haven't felt welcomed by congregants. And this report says that this is especially true of African-Americans, both men and women, who are more likely to say they don't go to religious services because they just don't feel like they belong. What does all this mean? This report goes on to say American religious leaders have spent endless amounts of time trying to cater to millennials or millennial tastes. They cater to coffee bars and hip young clergy and mission trips to exotic locales. But the studies suggest that there are underserved groups of people, believers, 
who seem like they actually like to be a part of a religious experience of some kind if only somebody would pay attention to them. Somebody shout, God ain't biased. God ain't biased. Why do they not feel welcome? One argues many feel that they are unable to afford to attend church. They feel every Sunday they attend, they are pressured to choose between their rent and their offering. May I pause here for a moment because I believe we'd all agree that we live in some crazy times. We are in, uh, dare I say, times with the devil seemingly, if not obviously, is more busy than anybody else. How I many you know the devil actually does his job very well every day of the week? Amen. Mm-hmm. But I'll talk money for a second. Because we know that's the elephant in the room in most churches. Not all of them, but a whole lot of them right now open and they only collect an offering. We know how that is. I've heard someone quote a famous pastor back yonder while he was trying to convince folks to give an offering. He said, if you get your check and you can't pay tithe it's because of poor management now I went back and heard the whole message by Dr. Robert Schuler and I can promise you this was taken out of context but I'll bite just because I'm in a argumentative mood at the moment because my thought process is what happens when my bills are two thousand dollars my take-home pay is 1500 Basic mathematics. And you know I don't like math, but I understand that figure. Says I'm starting $500 in the hole. Now they'll say, well, that means you're living above your means. I don't know if the preacher that I was discussing with noticed, but folks in the projects now are paying 800 to 1200 a month. Just to live in that brick 12 by 12. Well, that's where faith comes in. And you're right. We should have faith. But how can I have faith if I've never been taught it? Everyone hasn't been taught how to cruise through the store hunting for a deal or two. Everyone hasn't been taught how to look through the meats for a few of them things they need to get rid of quick. Old folks know them as manager specials. I remember going to the store, another moment of personal privilege, to pick up some lettuce for grandma. She had sent me to the store for this lettuce, but I didn't know what I was going. I know. All I know is, I didn't even know what lettuce was, to be honest with you. tell you how much I don't eat my vegetables. You can go ahead and laugh at me. It was, it was sad. So I grabbed the most expensive piece of lettuce on the shelf. This little old white lady walked up beside me, sweet old little white lady. She smiled a little bit. She almost could feel, I didn't know what I was doing. Almost could feel the, maybe even saw the confused look on my face. Because I couldn't even find the price of the lettuce, to be honest. She moved in closer not to embarrass me. Picking up the lettuce that Grandma Man sent me in there for anyway and said, sweet, in a sweet little voice. She said, young man, this one right here is 40 cents cheaper and 95 cents better. And she giggled and tapped me on the shoulder and walked off. I've watched young people walk in that store. They don't go and pick up a sales ad. They've never been taught. Romans 10, 15. How can someone have faith when they've never been taught? How can they hear 
when they've never had a preacher. That preacher wanted to accuse me of knowing things that I have never been taught. How can you call and say that I have poor management when I never knew what management was? You know, it racks my brain as I'm hoping not to bore you. Even destroys my heart to think of the souls being lost just because of a lack of understanding. The people are dying simply because they just don't know. When I think of church, if I can just give my personal perspective here, which I dare say is, if not closely biblical, almost closely biblical. When I think of church, I think about how we win the future. I think about it from the mind of understanding that it's a hospital. The only thing that matters in a hospital is saving lives. Doesn't matter what color you're wearing or what side of the tracks you reside. It's just about saving lives. What do I have to do to save lives? When I think of faith, it's amazing to see how God gave simple commandments that go unfollowed. But the faith flocks to houses of worship that he never wanted. You say, how do I know that? Old man, when David went to go build the temple, he asked Nathan, can I do it? Nathan said, wait a minute. Let me check first. God asked Nathan, why do I need that? All I asked you to do was these 10, you can't do that, but you want to build a house. Why do I need that? I'm watching now people who love to pull up the Christian card, who love to speak of their dedication to church. But don't get mad at them. Just go ask them. Go ask them how many homeless folks have they been to see. Go ask them how many folks who don't think as they do or live as they do that they choose to spend their day with. Go ask them how many times have they looked beyond the faults of their brothers and sisters and met their needs. Go ask them. So ask it. When we live in a world who is eager to return to a building, but you don't see them eager to educate our youth. You don't see them eager to heal our communities. You don't see them eager to eliminate our hunger and clothe our naked. Rather, every man for himself and God for us all. I must say, as I begin to close, I don't want to bore you much longer. I don't consider myself a righteous man. And I hope that this conversation doesn't sound holy art than thou. I'm just a man who sees a lot. I remember traveling with Pastor Booth one day. We were, uh, it was some time ago, we were down in uh, the deep blue yonder of Virginia Beach. I like to say at a Kroger near Sandbridge, somewhere down there. We were preparing to go have one of our semi-high dollar lunches. He said, when I talk to him, it's a semi-high dollar lunch. I go talk to the other folks, it's high dollar lunch. I ain't going to talk about them people. We were getting ready to go to sit down and talk about these different things by which we are doing here. And I was standing in the program waiting for him to conclude his assignment when a young lady walked in to the store. She approached the customer service desk near where I was standing and calmly asked the clerk if they were hiring. 
the clerk who more than likely gets asked this question dozens of times just politely says no and walks off. I don't blame the clerk because, again, she probably sees this all. But the young lady, without reaction, turned and bent down and adjusted the cardboard in her shoes. Pastor Boogie, you remember, I tried to turn my head, hoping to forget what I had seen. Hoping to be able to ignore the present reality, but to no avail. I walked out that store even more frustrated with the biases of our society. Why in a country with approximately 37 trillion in circulation, and when you add in investments, derivatives, and cryptocurrency exceeds $1.2 quadrillion, yet 150 million people are homeless, with an estimated 1.6 billion living in an adequate shelter. Why, when an average church combined takes in somewhere near $367 billion annually, about 150 million people are homeless with 1.6 billion people living in inadequate shelter. And I'm not here to attack church folk because half of them are doing things, and I'm not going to say that they're not. They're churches who took the money and built senior homes and bought up whole communities for their people. They are good ones out here. But shouldn't that be the mission statement of them all? Shouldn't that be the focal point of them all? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, as the second is as great as the first. That you love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I pray today that our world begins to look beyond its biases. Look beyond its individualism. Look beyond its denominationalism. I pray today that our church realizes our purpose is more significant than our preference. Rev. Amen. If you are looking for a... Amen. If you are seeking a relationship with the Lord Jesus or a closer relationship with Jesus, I offer the prayer of salvation. Lord Jesus, we believe you to be the Son of God. I come to you today a sinner, but you died for me. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Take control of my life this day forward. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. If I can take a moment right here before we prepare to leave and say on behalf of the platform on which you're listening, thank you for utilizing their services. And if you can, do whatever they've uh, requested of you, whether it's like, whether it's follow, whether it's add, whether it's subscribe. That way you'll be able to make sure you are guaranteed to get these conversations, these moments of fellowship every time they are released. So, if you can do that, that would be completely awesome sauce. And I thought maybe uh, while you're doing that or after you're doing that or whatever the case may be, that we would just conclude our time together. Well, together. Instead of me doing it here. Let's just all be a part. One big happy family. And we'll depart. Awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. time today my hope is that we've communicated our desire 
for the need of a stronger community. As we disconnect from this time of fellowship, my hope and prayer is we have a firmer desire to love each other, share with each other, not as fellow pew occupiers, but as fellow members of the family of God. To all we can, do all we can to help each other through the struggles of this world and join forces against the attacks of our unified adversary. And when we meet again, may we do it stronger than ever before. Until then, may God bless you, my dearest friends. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen.